0: ...required crossing the Po and entering a different country. Those borders vanished in 1861 with the emergence of the Kingdom of Italy. Stefano and Julia hoped there would be opportunities for advancement in this new country, still woefully underdeveloped by comparison to those of Northern Europe. The Industrial Revolution had for all practical purposes bypassed the peninsula, and most of Italy's workers either labored on the land as they had for centuries or engaged in minor commerce. Nor was transportation very different from what it had been since Roman times, for there was little more than fifteen hundred miles of rail lines in the whole country, almost all of it north of the Po. Education was viewed as providing a first step to bettering oneself. More than three-quarters of Italy's population was still functionally illiterate. Many could read a little, but, like Enrico's grandmother Julia, had not learned to write much less how to deal with arithmetic problems beyond a simple shopping list. The newly formed Italian government instituted a set of reforms designed to change this state of affairs. An innovative law called for universal enrollment in elementary school starting at age six. Attendance in the first four years was compulsory, though in practice the rule was often broken. The poor considered it a luxury to have their offspring removed from the workforce. The rich educated theirs at home. Stefano and Julia, despite their modest circumstances, insisted on having their children attend school, and Alberto, who seemed to be the most scholastically gifted of them, advanced beyond an elementary education. But, given the Fermi family's financial situation, attending university was never considered. When he reached the age of sixteen, Alberto's schooling was finished, and it was time for him to seek employment. By then, Rome was the capital of Italy, The city and the surrounding region had been an independent state under papal rule until 1870, when the Kingdom of Italy had annexed the territory. Pope Pius IX had declared the occupation violent, unjust, and invalid. Retreating into the Vatican, he refused to recognize the existence, much less the legitimacy, of the new Italy. Alberto Fermi, thirteen at the time, must have followed the story with keen interest. His parents, especially his mother, were devout Catholics, but he was already having the doubts that would later turn him into an agnostic, if not an atheist. Alberto knew that he would have to leave Caorso if he was to advance in the world. Working for a company that built and managed rail lines seemed to be a particularly interesting choice in the early 1870s. At the time of his birth, Italy had more than two dozen independent railway companies, each operating separate lines. Most of the lines had been founded with foreign capital, making them dependent on events outside Italy's control. Each attempted to maximize its profits with no concern for helping to forge a national identity. By the age of 24, Alberto was employed in the service of the company that managed the Northern Italian Railroads, one of the four that had emerged from consolidation. Through various reorganizations, the railroads continued to employ him until his retirement. In 1905, he became a civil servant for the Italian railroads, nationalized, and combined into a single company, the Ferrovie dello Stato. During all the years of employment, Alberto's willingness to work harder than anybody else, combined with his organizational ability, perseverance, and native intelligence, had led to his steady rise in the ranks. These personality traits would be very much imprinted on his only surviving son, Enrico. Like his father, Alberto did not marry until he was forty-one. Ida de Gattis was fourteen years his junior. The daughter of an army officer, she was born in Bari, a city in Puglia, commonly known as the heel of Italy. Ida had been orphaned at a young age and raised by relatives in Milan. Like Alberto, she strongly advocated self-sufficiency and self-reliance. She began teaching after a three-year course for elementary school teachers her ambitious trajectory a relative rarity at a time when women were still discouraged from entering a profession. Ida and Alberto were both intelligent and upwardly mobile. They were not cultured in the traditional sense of appreciating art, music, and literature, though Alberto, a rather taciturn man, was known to occasionally break into song in the privacy of his home when shaving or bathing. His choice was almost always a Verdi aria, probably because the composer was born in Buseto, a small town only a few miles from Piacenza. When Ida and Alberto married, they settled in Rome, on Via Gaeta, a street that lay a short distance from the central railroad station. Their apartment was in one of the newer buildings that had sprung up during the 30 30- years.